We're going to open in prayer. We're going to continue our session on baptism. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you in music and to worship you through the ministry of the word. We ask you to just bless and anoint this time in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about baptism as far as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the part of the baptism that saves us. We're immersed into God. He changes us. This week we're going to talk about water baptism, which is what we're looking at in next week's event, and water baptism. You know, and a lot of people, the main question you'll get is, why should I be baptized? And hopefully we'll help answer that today. For the Jews, they actually had the baptism has been around for a long time. It's part of other religions. And it really means the same thing it does to us. You're dead to something old and coming to life into something new. The disciples, though, took it and said, we're now taking it and applying it to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as well. For the Jewish people, every time that you would change a rabbi with different teachings, you would get baptized. And if you remember in the New Testament, many times you'll read, in whose name were you baptized? All right, and what they were asking, whose teachings are you following? And the idea was, if you switched rabbis had radically different teachings, you would go and you'd get baptized, you'd get dead to the old, old uh, master's name, you know, name and be raised again into a new way of thinking. And that's exactly what our baptism is all about. It's an outward expression that I am agreeing to change the way that I used to think and live and be living in a new way of life. So that takes us, do you need to be baptized every time you switch churches? No. <laughs> Most of the churches believe pretty much the same. Uh, now, if you got baptized in a cult or another religion, then yes, you need to be baptized as a Christian, but that's for you to decide and for you to, to be uh, thinking about. And also the fact that if you got baptized as a child and didn't know what you were doing, you might want to get baptized knowing what you're doing. So we're going to look at this. And the first one I want to look at is in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is Jesus' great commandment to the disciples just before he ascended into heaven. He says, all power is given to me and by implication given to us. And that includes us. This, this commandment was not just to the disciples. <laughs> all right. It was not given just to pastors. <laughs> It was given to all of us. And I hear people go, well, I don't know what to say. Well, that's good. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. You know, and it's like anything. The more you practice at it, the easier it gets. It, when you first tell people about Jesus, you stumble and trip and fall and don't know what you're talking about. And then the more you do it, the easier it gets to be. And you start to understand it's not me anyway. It's all the Holy Spirit. And our job is to go and teach and that literally means just make disciples all right and we've shared this every one of us if you've been a christian any length of time you've been studying the bible any length of time there's something you know that other people don't know and it's just a matter of going out and sharing it with them how do you live in this area what do you do how do you think what how do the disciples learn all the stuff that they learned they spent four years with jesus 
they were with him 24-7. Now, we don't get a chance usually to be 24-7 with, with our teacher, but the disciples were 24-7 with Jesus for, three, for four years. And learning, okay, not just what did he say, but how did he act? When he came up to a Roman soldier, a Roman soldier came up to him and made things difficult, how did he react to that Roman soldier? How did he react to authority? How did he treat those who challenged him? How did he treat those who were kind to him? This is one of these things for most of us when we have our children, our children for a long time are our greatest disciples. We get to not just teach them a Bible story every day. I mean, that should be part of it. But real discipleship is how do you live? When you get pulled over that, by that police because you were going 12 miles over the speed limit instead of going the speed limit, how do you react? Well, I was in a hurry, officer. Now you're really making me late. <laughs> you know, or, oh, well, I got, I got pulled over. I'm going to be very respectful. It's a big difference on how you react. How do we as Christians react and how does the world react? This is what discipleship is about. How do we live out Christ. And this is what this first one is. Teach all people. It's not just verbal teaching in this first teach. It is to make a disciple. How do you live? How do you respond? How do you respond when all things seem to be going wrong in your life? You know, and we look at Job. Job is a great example. All things were wrong. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. And his wife comes up. He lost his health. And his wife comes up. Curse God. Get it over with, just curse God and get it all over with. And he calls her a foolish woman, you know, will we accept good and not, not bad. Who, who is the better example of righteousness in that particular instance? Job. Now, Job gets beat down over time. You know, he has four wonderful friends telling him how bad he is and how awful he must have been. And he deserves, you know, and only bad, thing, bad things happen to bad people. So, Job, you must be an awful, terrible person. And it doesn't tell us how long this went on. But we do know for 32 chapters this goes on. Job, you're an awful, miserable, terrible person. You must have done something really bad to deserve this. And these are his friends telling him this. <laughs> you know, and that's where we get the idea. If you have friends like Job, you don't need any enemies because they're going to beat you up real good. You know, that was not good discipleship. And Job even told him, you're miserable counselors. He goes, if you had been suffering this, I would have just wrapped my arm around you and cried with you and been in with tears with you. You know, and this is what this first one is. We're commanded to go teach. And then he says to baptize. To baptize. To be put into the outward expression of that relationship. You know, the very first one we talked about last week is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everybody is baptized by the Holy Spirit. The minute you say Jesus Christ in your heart, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are immersed. And as we said last week, that's the one you don't come up out of. Out of. He, he keeps you in the Holy Spirit. In the water, we let you back up. So we're going to keep that out there. And, but the one in the water is just an outward expression saying, I am publicly expressing that I am changed. And this is why it is a great testimony. Uh, when I was baptized, our church didn't have a baptismal. At the time, uh, we were meeting in the back room of a, rolling, uh, a, bowl, a roller rink. <laughs> Uh, so we went out to the ocean and had our baptism out in the ocean with singing and everything uh, on the beach and drawing a crowd of, crowd of non-Christians to our, to our baptism, wondering what was going on with these crazy people singing, singing songs they hadn't heard and, and walking out in the ocean and being baptized. If we had a river nearby, that'd be, you know, really nearby, it would be a fun thing to do. If we had one right here in Clorida, we'd probably do public outside baptisms because it would be a nice way to do it, being that our nearest river is 
40, 40 minutes away, we're not going to do that. Um, but you know, why do we get baptized? It's because Jesus commanded it. When Jesus went to John the Baptist to be baptized, John said, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, let all things be done in order. You're the one baptizing. I'm setting the example. Jesus went out and he was baptized. And again, baptism is very important for us to understand. Baptism is not for salvation. If you don't get baptized, you still go to heaven if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You just haven't taken the public stance to show people that you've made that decision. It's not the end of the world. The thief on the cross did not get baptized. You know, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and Jesus said, this day will you be in paradise with me. So baptism has nothing to do, water baptism has nothing to do with salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is plenty of, but that happens the moment we accept Christ. And then he says, you're also to teach them to observe all things. Now, this word for teaching literally is to speak and teach. Okay, once we're saved, we are to be discipled and be disciplers. But we also need somebody teaching us, and we need to be teaching others. And one of the things you learn, if you've ever taught, teaching is really interesting because that's where you really learn, what do I know? What do I, how do I, how do, I do this? And all of us have probably taught something. You go, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, if any of you have taught somebody how to sew, how to cook, how to do a job, how to work on a car, how to do carpentry, you've been a teacher. You may not realize it, but you've been a teacher. You go, but I knew it real well. It wasn't that hard. The best things you can teach are the things you know real well. You know, and it really says, how well do you know something? You know, if you're studying the Bible, if you're being taught, you should be able to start teaching somebody because there's things you get to know in the Bible. And you get to share that with others. And some of the greatest things is when you share something and you're just talking about something you know and they're going, wow, I really learned a lot from that. And that's happened to me in many cases. I'm not even in the, you know, I'm not thinking I'm in teaching mode and they're going, wow, I learned a lot. What you know, you speak. What is in your heart, you speak. Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. So we can get to know a lot about ourselves. If you really want to know what do I really truly believe and how it's filling my heart, start really paying attention to what you say. How often do you talk about God in your daily life? How often do you talk about kindness, loving thoughts to other people? Or is your words bitterness and, and tearing people down, which then tells you your heart is full of bitterness and tearing people down? Listen to your own speech. Because I can tell you, other people can tell you what's, what's in your heart if they start listening to you and you ask them, they'll tell you. Uh, well, you never talk about God. I didn't, I didn't even know you went to church. I've, you know, I've had people say that to, you know, to certain people. That says a lot. You know, that says a lot. Do we talk about God ever? Now, somebody built the prison wish I would talk about God less. <laughs> you know, and I'm not even being paid to do it, so I, I'm trying to be careful, but I bring God into a lot of my conversations because that is just what's important to me. You know, do I bring him in all the time? No, I want, I want people to talk to me once in a while. <laughs> because outside of the church, people probably wouldn't want to talk to you if you always talked about God. And if you're trying to reach the lost world, they need to know that you believe something other than God, you know, that you can talk to them about sports or hobbies or, or something. They want to know that you're not just all about God. Now, he should be important enough that he comes up. 
If, you haven't, if you've got a friend and they've been your friend for 20 years and you've never talked to them about God, there's something wrong. You must not like that friend very well if you want them to go to hell. And that's what it really goes down to. Am I going to talk to them? And that's what Jesus said. Go out. Teach by being a disciple. Baptize people. And actually teach what you know in, in discourse. So this is the, the first one we look at. And then we're going to go to Romans 6. Starting at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into de unto death, and like as Christ are raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of death, we shall all be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that therefore henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now he that is dead with Christ, now if we be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death have no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, so that he might live, he lives unto God. So here we see the picture of baptism that we talk about. Jesus died for sin. And here, Paul in the book of Romans is saying that when we are baptized, we are showing that we have died to sin. Now, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> I wish it was so simple that when we got saved, God said, okay, you're perfect. That would make life a whole lot easier to live, maybe. <laughs> you know, what did they do to Jesus? Perfect man. They criticized him. They, they, they attacked him all the time he was walking. They stuck a crown of thorns on him. They, they, they scourged him. They put him on a cross and killed him. Maybe we don't want to be perfect <laughs> because the world doesn't like perfection. And the, and the world will not be there when you need it. But with Christ, we show that we are dead. We get saved and our flesh is crucified. Water baptism is an example of that. We die, we are buried, and we're showing that forth to the world. And this is the power of it. Paul has said here that when you are dead, you don't owe anything. And that's something for us to get in mind. In the case of our salvation, when we die to our flesh, we don't owe a debt. And what's the debt we owe? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When we become saved and we are dead with Christ, our debt disappears. And that's even true of this life. Once you're dead, you don't worry about your bills. They, you know, technically, they're not collectible even to your family unless they co-sign co for you. you know, but when we're dead, our debt, is, our debt is gone. And this is what we're showing. When we get baptized, we're showing, I have died to my sin nature. I have died to my old way of thinking. I have died to my old self. And I'm going to come back resurrected as a new person, new thoughts. And this is what's important for us as Christians. We take a long time for it to happen, but God slowly changes the way we think. Sometimes it's faster in certain areas and slower in other areas. But he changes the way we think. I no longer want to do evil things, at least in certain areas. And it gets 
more and more as we go along. I find myself checking myself when I want to say the sarcastic comment back to somebody, when I want to you know, get back at them because they said something that I didn't think was wise or good. And we find ourselves being more loving, more kind, because we have changed the way we respond. We change the way we think. We change the way we act. And that is all part of salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of our spirit. Because remember, when we are born as human beings, we are born dead. We are born spiritually dead. We have a body and a soul. Adam and Eve, when they were created, had a body, soul, and spirit. And when they sinned, their spirit died. And then they, and everybody has inherited that death of the spirit until you are born again. When we are born again, we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he says, here's your spirit. I've revived your spirit. I've given you a live spirit. And everything changes. The way we think, the way we act, our relationship with God. He gives us a spirit, and we are in a relationship with God. And this is what Christianity is all about. You'll be talking to people, and they'll go, well, you know, all religions are the same. And I, and I go, yes, I agree. All religions are the same. They're all about doing more good works than bad works to get yourself in pleasure with the deity. I am so glad that Christianity is not a religion. They go, what? I go, Christianity is a relationship with the God of heaven and the heaven and earth through the blood of Jesus Christ, not my good works, not the things that I do. For by grace are we saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, and I've, I've talked to people all the time that go, well, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Well, I hope I go to heaven. And that, oh, that brings me, well, on what are you basing that hope? Well, I hope I've done enough good things and God will accept me. I have bad news for you. You can't do enough good things to be accepted by God. It has to be the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, how easy is it to share the gospel? Pretty easy. You know, we're all sinners. We all deserve hell. Jesus paid the price. And all we have to do is accept those three points and really, truly believe them. The gospel message is an easy message. The next step would be, after you give them the gospel message, is to invite them to ask Jesus. You know, you know uh, and we're not, I'm not going to say we're trying to sell something, but you know, have you ever had somebody that you went to go buy something and they, they sold you the product and never sold it to you because they never asked you if you wanted to buy it? You know, I can, I can do this job. I'm the best job. You know, I've got the best job. Look at all these people I've done. And they walk away from you without ever telling you how much it would cost or asking if you'd like to hire them. And we're not salespeople. We're not trying to sell God. But you know, we need to ask people, do you want to know Jesus? Would you like to accept him into your life? And let them know how easy it is. Because Jesus said in the parable, he said, many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I? And he names all kinds of wonderful things. I gave to the poor. I visited the hospital. I went to the prisons. I helped the widows. I cast out demons in your name. And he goes, depart from me. I never knew you. All those good works in front of God do not get us into heaven and will not get us into heaven. Because Jesus is not going to have us come to heaven and say, I got here all on my own, Jesus. You didn't have to die for me. He's going to say, if that's what you think, the, your door's over there. It's the big wide one that goes into the, the, the lake of fire. 
Nobody's going to go to heaven on their own strength, on their own authority. It is grace. And the really good news, because it is grace, there is nobody so bad that God will not accept them. Unfortunately, I see so many of us as Christians go, well, you know, when this person starts to clean up their life a little bit, I'll go tell them about Jesus. Part of what Romans tells us is that they are a slave to sin. We cannot, without Christ, have victory over sin for a long period of time. Sin will always win out because we are prisoners to sin. We are slaves to sin, and we're born that way. We are born sinners. You know, there's, there's no such thing as an innocent human being before God. Because we have sin inbred into us. We are born guilty. Now, does that mean that the baby who's never had a chance to cognizantly recognize God is, is, is guilty and going to hell? I don't know. David said that he had to go to his son that was killed before, before he had a chance to, to believe. So I'm going to believe that God is just. That child who cannot think, cannot make a decision, I believe probably would go to heaven. All right? Based on what Jesus said. Or what David said. But we are born sinners. And if you've ever raised a child, you know that you, we all taught our children to be selfish and be liars and be, and be, be selfish and, and all that, right? We all, we all went in and said, now this is what you do, son. If it, so they're playing with the brick, you grab it and say mine. It doesn't take them long to get there, does it? You know, we didn't have to teach them to be selfish. We didn't have to teach our kids to lie. Did you get into the cookies? No, not me. Well, what's the chocolate all around your lips for? No, it wasn't me. I wasn't in the cookies. We didn't have to teach our kids to lie. They are sinners from birth. We are all sinners. That's why we need Jesus' sacrifice. That is why he came to this world, to live a perfect life and to die as the perfect sacrifice, to pay a debt he did not owe for us to have a debt that we could not pay be paid. And it's very important. That is why he came. We owed a debt. We can't even begin to pay it. It doesn't matter how good we might think we are. One sin is all it takes to say you have a, get, a debt that can't be paid. Jesus came. And that is, again, what baptism is celebrating. I am dead to my sin. I am dead to my old way of thinking. I'm going to be resurrected. And what does it mean to be resurrected? Jesus was resurrected in power for victory. When we become a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we can be victorious. Will we? Hopefully more often than not, especially as we mature. I wish we would be totally victorious. If we were, we'd probably be like Elijah and Enoch, and God would say, okay, come on home. But... We have the opportunity to be living a victorious life over sin. And I know the testimony of many of you in here, how you're getting more and more victory over your sin. Because God is getting in your hearts. He's showing you who you are. And he's saying, giving you the strength. When you look back and say, wow, I don't react the way I've always reacted. You know, I used to get really angry when somebody would do something like that. Now I'm only mildly angry. <laughs> or I'm not angry at all. You know, where are you? How are you growing? God has a plan for each one of us to grow. 
And we all grow at a different rate. Some people grow really fast and then maybe stagnate before they grow further. Some people get a real slow, steady growth and it's just over years they learn to be better and let God take more of their life. But God is there saying, I need you to surrender. Are you ready to surrender? And he keeps doing that in every area that we go along. When we think we've arrived, God will give us a new area to surrender to him. And we'll fight for him, you know, depending on how long and how mature we are and where we're at with him. Sometimes we fight for a long time. Sometimes we, short, we make it shorter. And hopefully the more times you've surrendered, the easier it gets. I know that's been coming true in my life. It's easier to surrender in most of the areas that he's asking me to surrender in. But, you know, our whole thing of baptism is it's an example. It's an example. First is my testimony to the world. I am a new creation in Christ. The old stuff is dead. It has passed away. I am now resurrected in victory. And because it is dead, I don't owe a debt. Jesus paid that debt, and I'm going to take the Holy Spirit. I'm going to live in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. This is the wonderful thing. Do you want to live in victory with Christ? Let the Holy Spirit rule in your heart. Now, again, I understand that's easier said than done because we have a flesh nature that wants to sin. You know, and I've said this over and over. Our first thought is always going to be the flesh's thought. Now, God's thought may come on very quickly. You know, it might come on so quickly that I don't even recognize I had a flesh, flesh thought. You know, somebody comes up and smacks you across the head, and the very first thing we want to do is smack them back. I don't care who you are. You, know, you may think twice about it real quick. You might say, well, they're really big. If I smack them, they're going to kill me. You know, so you're doing it a practical reason not to. Or you can go, Jesus said to turn the other cheek. I'm going to just back off. God, I want, you know, somebody really hurts you, and your first instinct is to get back at them, and you go, no, I want to show love. I want to be forgiving. And the closer we walk with God, the quicker those thoughts come into our mind to the point where we almost don't even realize that we've had a flesh thought at all. But you know, that is the changing of the Holy Spirit in us, changing who we are. And I challenge us all, look back over your life. Are you changing? Are you becoming more like God with each passing year and decade? If you look at your life and say, well, I'm pretty much the same as I was for the last 15 years, I'm going to challenge you that you may not know God. He may not be living in you well enough to be your father. And that's between you and him. But I would just say, if you're unchanged over a long period of time, you really do need to look and say, am I a Christian? Do I know God? Or am I just play acting? That play actor is going to hear from me, depart. I never knew you. I want everybody that I'm teaching in this church to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your, your reward. And that comes from accepting Jesus Christ and getting the gift of eternal life. Having that new changed heart that says, God, I want your word. I want to learn. I want to be with you. I want to be with other Christians. I want to be a kind, loving, gracious person. And that's the first step, wanting it. But it's so important for us to understand baptism is just that outward expression. It really is. God, I want to show, I want to be obedient to you and show this expression that I'm, I'm changed. And you know, one of the things that can get so hard for us, especially if you've been raised in a church all your life, 
And you start getting this conviction, God, I don't know you. But you go, God, I can't go in front of all those people. They all think I'm a Christian. Don't hold on to that kind of pride because that pride will put you into hell for eternity. And believe me, over the years I've seen many, many people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s come down an aisle or come to a pastor and say, I don't know this God that you guys talk about. I've been in church all my life and I don't know this God. Don't let yourself be in that position. Don't let yourself be in. Don't get so prideful that I'm afraid somebody's going to think less of me. I think even in this church, we'd tell you, thank God you're saved. You know, we'd be happy for you. I know that those in heaven would be singing because Jesus said that the angels rejoice at the salvation of one. And this church would rejoice. You know, and if, they, if they're not rejoicing, that's their problem. They, get to know, they need to know God better. <laughs> Don't let pride keep you from wanting to, to make this decision for him. You know, if everybody's saved, thank God. You know, I'm, not, I'm not dumb enough to believe in a group this size that there's nobody who's not saved. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 I would love to think that's true, but I don't believe that it's true. I've talked to some of the people in this church on the side when they're hurting in the hospital. I know what they, when, they, when I ask them about heaven and they go, well, I hope so. I hope I'm going to heaven. If you're his child, you don't need to hope. You know that you know that you know him. He's lived into, inside you. You've had a relationship with him. You know him. There is no, I hope that I'm good enough, or I hope that I'm going to heaven. Jesus paid the price so that we can go to heaven. And it literally is a true trust in him. And I can tell you right now, growing up in a church is probably the easiest way not to get saved. Because you've heard the story over and over again. You've heard how you're a sinner. You've heard how, how Jesus died for your sins. You've heard how he rose again. You've heard how it's a gift, but you never put your trust in it. One of the hardest things for a child and a teenager to do is get to the point where a, their parents' belief is not enough. They have to decide what I'm going to believe. And each one of us has to have that point. If you grew up in the church, has there been a point where you said, I believe? It's not my parents' belief. It's not my grandpa's belief. It's not great-grandpa's belief. I've talked to some people down the street. Well, are you a Christian? Well, grandpa was. I'm going, well, that's really good, but what, what about you? Well, Dad was almost a Christian. He went to church once in a while. Well, what about you? Well, you know, I don't know. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He has children. And we need to make our decisions personal to him and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. You need to know when you made that, made that decision because it is important. Do you know God? Is he personal to you? Is he real to you? And this is the most important thing because I don't want to have a, anybody from this church who hears these messages week in, week out, stand before God and say, depart. I never knew you. And I get accused of having a very gospel-oriented you know, message, and you know what? I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> Why? For one thing, we're heard across the world in the Internet, and we get heard by people I know don't know God. But I also always wonder, does everybody in this church know God? If we had a real strong personal relationship with God, we'd be evangelists in this town. And this town's not that big. You know, we've got 25 people in this church. If each one of us just went out and led one person to the Lord each year, 
the town would be saved in six years, uh, 12 years, excuse me. You know, that's one a year. Bill Bright said that very statement when he was the leader of youth evangelism. You know, he talked about how if every Christian just went out and led one person to the Lord, the entire world would be saved in a very short period of time if each person just went out and led one to the Lord. And then that person led one to the Lord, and that person led one to the Lord. The sad statistic is that most Christians have never given the gospel and prayed with anybody else in their life. Now, I'm not saying we're all going to be evangelists. I mean, there are evangelists. They go out and they tell people all the time about God. They lead people daily to Christ. Because they're getting them to pray and leading them to Christ. But I can tell you one thing. The greatest experience is to pray with somebody and see the lights come on in their eyes, see a smile cross their face, and the lightness that comes across them as they recognize that they now know God. I want to challenge you, get to, get to experience that once. And once you've experienced it once, you'll be excited. You'll, you'll want to see it more often. I have prayed with several people and just watched the expression on their face totally change. Because all of a sudden, they lighten up. The weight of sin is lifted off, and their eyes just light up. And it is a wonderful thing to see. I've seen it in very young children. I've seen it in very old people and all ages in between. And I'm not an evangelist, I'm not the greatest world's evangelist out there, but I have got the opportunity to pray with several dozen people over my lifetime and I enjoy seeing that happen. And who knows how many other times from teachings. But I wanna challenge us. Do you know Christ? Do you have a relationship with Christ and are you a changed person? If not, today's the day to, cha to change that. Admit you're a sinner and say, God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life and be my Lord and believe it. Again, I've said this over and over. The words are not just enough. You know, I listened to all kinds of testimonies where people said, when I was 12 years old, I got convicted, went up to church. I said some words I didn't understand, and they said, you're a Christian. And I believed it and went out and lived like the devil for the, for the next 30 years. And then realized I never knew God the words can be the right words, but if you don't understand or don't mean them, there's no trust in them. Know that you know God. For those of us who know God, let's go out there and share him. <laughs> go out there and share him. You know, people are going to hell. Some of your friends might be going to hell, especially if you've never talked to them about Jesus. Well, you know, Pastor, if I talk to my friend about Jesus, they may not be my friend anymore. Well, you know what? If that's, they're going to lose you as a friend to being a Christian, then they're not, they don't need to be your friend in the first place. But I can tell you one place that they're really not going to be happy is when they're standing at the white throne judgment and, they, and they're said guilty and they see you on the other side. Can you imagine them saying, you never told me? You knew this was coming and you didn't tell me? I'd rather have them angry here on earth than angry at the white throne judgment that I never told them. Does that mean I have to tell everybody every time I talk to them, you're a sinner, do you know Jesus? No. But have you, has each one of us talked to our family members? Do we know where our family is with Christ? Have they heard the gospel? I got a lot of family that's not saved, but you know one thing between myself and my dad and others in the family, they've heard the gospel. 
They've heard the gospel, and I know they've heard the gospel. If they're not going to heaven, it's their fault. I might have been clumsy giving them the gospel. The others may have been clumsy giving them the gospel. They've heard the gospel message. They have no excuse when they stand before God. Our family and friends have to hear the gospel message. Because then it's their fault. I mean, I'm, you are not accountable for what people do with what they're told. And I've shared, I love being a pastor because all I've got to do is tell you what God says. And it's up to you what you do with it. Now, I love you enough that I want to see you apply what I teach to your lives. But if you don't, I'm not taking it personal and saying, oh, well, you know, what, what a lousy person I am. I didn't, I didn't produce it. All, and, you know, nobody responded. I'm not responsible for how you guys respond. I'll give you a, a little bit of story. Jesus didn't save every single person he talked to. <laughs> Many of the scribes and Pharisees rejected him completely. Many of the world that followed him left him on several occasions saying, your words are too hard. I'm not going to be any part of you. If Jesus couldn't win everybody, we can't win everybody. So take it to heart. You know, all our job is is to tell. Our job is to express what God has done for us. And if we give them our testimony, nobody can tell you that it was bad. You, know, you, may, you may have been hard and, not, and tongue-tied and everything, but you told the truth, and they have to respond. I'm going to tell you right now, if you listen to testimonies of people, sometimes what you say that you thought was sloppy and messed up is just what they hear in the middle of the night. You know, in the middle of the night, when they're there quietly laying in their bed, they attacked you and they made you feel like a fool. They, thought, you know, they made you feel like you didn't know what you were talking about. And in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit comes, on, comes to them and says, hey, what if that crazy person is right? What if, you're, what if your daughter or sister or niece, uncle, mother, father, whoever you might be in relation to them, your, your friend is right? You, know, you are a sinner headed for hell. You never know if your words will get through, their, through to them. And think about your own life. How many people did you talk to you before you got saved that all of a sudden, if you think back, their words touched you? The way they lived touched you. People are watching us as Christians. They're watching, are you different? Are you a different person? I had an event one time when I was taking a bunch of youth out on a trip. And you know, I've shared this with you. I was, got caught in the speed trap in Wiki up area before I knew there was a speed trap. I had only been here for a month. And I got caught up and I was respectful and the, and the youth were very, you know, you didn't get, you didn't get mad. You should hear my dad when he gets pulled over by the police. You know, but we had a great opportunity that night for me to talk with the young men that were in my group because they saw something that they had not normally seen. Little things. Little things that we may not even know have touched somebody. You, know, you didn't react when that person got in your face. I, you know, I would have torn them limb from limb, and you didn't even react at all. You didn't seem to be angry at all. You were just kind to them. And all you're doing is being yourself. And, go, and, and those little things will touch people's lives. When we get to heaven, we may find we've touched people's lives that we didn't even know anything about. You may have led people to the Lord without you even knowing it because of the life you've lived. But I also want to challenge you. Actually get to ask them, would you like to know God? And, and get them to pray and see that, see that change in their life. 
We're going to close here. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, we just thank you for how much you love us. Lord, you paid the debt you didn't owe so that we could go to heaven. Lord, I challenge anybody that doesn't know you today that's listening to this in this room or in the internet, Lord, that they would make a decision today to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I deserve punishment. Help me come into my life. And that they will seek a Christian and ask for guidance from there. Lord, for those of us that are Christians, give us the opportunity, the voice to speak. Give us the words to speak and, and share with our family and friends that we will see you lifted up and glorified and see souls come into heaven and have the revival that we're praying for. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.